Hey everyone, it's Mark again from uh, Real You Podcast. It's uh, good to be with you this morning. It's um, here this morning in Detroit. It's snowing. It snowed all night. It's real powdery and and fluffy, and um, you know it's a good day. The sun is not shining outside, uh, but it's shining on the inside. <laughs> I hope these uh, podcasts have been thought provoking to you. Um, I feel in my spirit it's going to be a great year this year. It's going to be a year of uh, true revelation of identity, of who we really are. And, um, you know, I, I, this idea of who you are in Christ is, um, I don't, I'm not sure I'm, I don't, I don't like that concept so much nowadays because people are just flat out afraid to, uh, you know, admit their reality of their connection to to God and his consciousness because we have such an awareness we've been trained uh, all of our life of who we're not we've been we've been sold so short even in our religious experience for so long that we sort of uh, you know you kind of got to come up to the altar every week and get right with God every that kind of thing and so it's been hard for people to to readily admit you know, I'm one with God. I, I'm, 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 I, I've got all the God that I'm ever going to get, but I'm trying to come to an conscious awareness of the fullness of what that really means. Um, so when when when, uh, when people say, "Well, who are you?" and "This is who I am in Christ," or "Who are you in Christ?" it kind of imposes that maybe you're somebody else not in Christ, and that simply isn't true, uh, friends. Um, you're you're one in God because that's the only place you can be. And so when we say who you are and we to try and discover who we are and the real you, where the implication in the is, is obvious that this is who you are in God because there's no other place to be. Now, on that note, I realize that a lot of these teachings that we're going to be doing in this particular series, and it's, um, it's going to offend anything that's religious that is within you. I'll just tell you on the outset. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but when I went through my journey 10 years ago, when I started deconstructing, um, because you have to deconstruct before you can construct this new Christ consciousness. You got to deconstruct the system that you've been engulfed in, whether you realize it or not. You've, you, we have been engulfed in a system of religious way of life, of thought, of belief, and we've, we've built this thing around our lives, and uh, there's a deconstruction that's going to take place. I believe it's going to start this year in a lot of people's lives, and the ones who are called to this, if, if you're called to what we're talking about the last few weeks, if you're called to this, um, there, there's going to be a deconstructing process. You're going to outgrow your present-day belief system. And in the next two to three to five years, you're going to realize that you believe a little bit different, even though it's conceptually the same, yet it's a lot more fluid and a lot more, um, I can't explain it, open. Uh, it reminds me of Jeremiah 10 when, he, when God told Jeremiah, I set you over nations and kingdoms to root out, pull down, pluck up, pull down and destroy and to build and plant. So he said, you're to, if you want to build and plant, if you want to recreate something and, and, and start over, then you're going to have to root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down. 
So my reality is it's it's four times harder to tear down our old belief system and our old rigid ways of thinking than it's than it is to rebuild something new. So I obviously realize that. I know a lot of these things are contrary to what we've been taught, but at the core of the issues, what we're trying to get at is no matter what we're talking about in, during these podcasts, we're trying to get to the core of the issue is, do you believe it? And that's the real issue. Uh, do you believe it? You know, there's such an amazing thing. Last time we talked about God asked Adam, who told you you were naked? And he couldn't answer that question. And we're still trying to answer the question today. Who told you you were naked in the first place? That's what I want to know. And that's the journey that I'm on. I'm trying to find out this, this, uh, this voice, this, uh, this thing within my brain, my head, my spirit, my thoughts, my mind, my heart, that's continually trying to trip me up and send me a spiral out of control of not agreeing with God. And, uh, so I will say things probably during this, during these next few podcasts. If you hang out with us a while, you understand where we come from and some things you, you know, you have to put on a shelf, some things you, you're not really at that place and maybe you don't even understand where it comes from. But the reality is there's that, that carnal part of you, that religious part of you is trying to defend itself against the truth. And so the truth needs no defense. And you have to catch the spirit of that thing. And sometimes that's the only, the only, the precursor to change is to, uh, really get in there and start searching it out for yourself. And I could wish nothing better on anyone but to go on this journey for yourself and find out if everything that you think right now presently is true and it's true to you and it's your truth that you live and, and abide and walk in, and it's not just a mental ascent to some belief system that gives you uh, some sense of a clear mind, a clear heart, clear conscience, but really walking in the, the light of the truth that you have. Um, I want to say that, um, I said this in Kansas, it was reminded to me that Jesus, he was not crucified for all the miracles and all the great things he did. And even his teaching was rocking the boat. But it was all good, sound, moral teaching. Um, you can get that anywhere. That's every religion has good, moral, sound teaching. Every religion tries to promote good works and um, helping humanity. And, you know, it's, it's kind of become our form of spirituality. Um, but I, I, being a good, moral person is a given. You don't need religion for that. You don't need... That's not the standard, though that's part of the character traits, but that's not the only standard uh, by which I judge or, and discern if someone is in God or not. Because you could be a really, this is what is hard for people to understand. You could be a really good moral person and not quote unquote serve God like we do or acknowledge, even acknowledge God. But we've shrunk Christianity down to. Um, you know, just being a good moral person and trying to be a Christian in your heart. Well, you could do that without going to church, and I could save you all the trouble. You you see what I mean? Um, you can strive to do good works and still not, quote-unquote, be a Christian or a believer, which, which I struggle with because, uh, you know, they even tried to tell Jesus, good master, tell, come and tell us something. He said, there's none good but God. 
So all the goodness comes from God, whether it's in the people who believe or if they don't. I believe that I believe God is so sovereign and so powerful that he can create it. But my point is to be a good moral person isn't the goal of only goal of Christianity, but is a part of it. And so if you if you teach and learn and all the all the logical trainings and teachings and give your code and give your clothes and share your goods, that's all the beginning baby steps. But the reality is that the true essence of the message is, is Christ in you, the hope of glory, that as he is in this world, so are we. That when he comes, we'll see him, but we'll be like him, but we shall see him as he is. Um, that is the goal of the Christianity. Uh, being a good moral person is a giving and fasting and praying and giving and sharing and helping your brothers. That's all given. That's... Jesus said, if you only do what the Pharisees do, what, what good is that? Because everybody can do that. But what he, what he was crucified for, this is what I want to tell you, what he was crucified for was primarily because he said, I am one with the Father. And that was the one that got him killed. And that's the same today. Um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much stuck on this identity. Um, I believe that the whole goal of of the the Christology, the whole every page in this book, from cover to cover, was really trying to restore us, reveal to us, and bring us back into who we really are, who we were supposed to be, who we were created to be, and manifest that in the earth as Him. And so I know that this message is a, is if there's any religious bones in you, let me just say it's gonna. Um, be exposed and that's okay just deal with it process it um we'll talk about it i'm not trying to create havoc i'm just i want you to understand that the message in itself is um it brings controversial concepts because it's so foreign to our eyes and ears because we many of us have gone to church our whole life and they subtly told us who we weren't, and we weren't even willing. We didn't even catch it. Um, we just drank it Kool-Aid the whole way. And they taught us that we had to give, and you, and you had to do these things, and you had to do that, and you, ha- you had to almost perform to be right with God. And then if you didn't feel right, we'll make you feel worser. So you have to come to the altar because it's like no one ever, like, grows up and grows out and just starts really just flowing as Christ. And... um I'm excited because that's where we're coming to. And we believe me, you need that. I'll just say right out from the front, you need the core teaching and foundation. You need um, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, even though he was a son, yet he differed nothing from a slave, but he was under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. And it says in Galatians I believe it's three. I'm just I'm just sharing off the top of my head. But in Galatians three, it says the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, and so it is important that you get into the and and many of us uh, have come in through the entryway, let's say, of the Baptist church, and we grew into the spirit filled life, and now a lot of all those churches are kind of merging into an emerging Bapticostal kind of thing. Um, you don't know if they're Baptist or the Pentecostal. They have such an identity crisis because all they're worried about is getting a bunch of people there. And we all equate big with, with God and big is good and God's moving and God's doing. And 
which is great and it, it, it's a great portal to learn good moral values good sound teaching and training but let me tell you if you're called to the deeper level you're going to want to outgrow that and your your ears are going to be open to it and you're going to outgrow that and that's okay and that's what the process is all about but for me where i'm at in my life i'm i'm not um i don't want to go to a revival i want to be a revival i don't want to go to a message and hear it i want to be the message you understand what i'm saying so um you know after 30 years i'm finally sort of getting a handle on just beginning to understand a lot of the things that I thought were so weren't and and I totally believe I don't want to say different I like to say I believe better more clear more understanding more precise now than I did 15 years ago and you should be the same way and you and you it's okay for your belief system to to change as long as it doesn't um uh, change the five what we call five fundamentals or non-negotiables for me personally be, and the only reason why is because this is what the early fathers believed was the apostles creed and it's the virgin birth the resurrection and and, the, and you know he shall come back again with to judge both the living and the dead and of his kingdom there be no end we believe in the lord the holy spirit the lord the giver of life who proceeds from the father you know these are the fundamentals everything else is not um obviously in our world today you know 15 years ago many of us when we trans when we transpire when we grew out of one religious institutional system into the freedom of the charismatic and the conference mentality and the ministry mindedness we sort of bought into the spirit-filled life and you got to you got to speak in the spirit and you got to do the works and you got to do all that to be but we've actually grown out of that now people don't def, that's not even you know <laughs> that's because we've grown so we've had such an identity crisis at some levels and at some levels we've grown to stick with what God's doing now so it's a good thing so i say let me just say at the outset and i know i'm rambling but it's very important that you understand this. I believe that people need to come in when they come into the kingdom. They need to come into the church world. They need to be mentored. They need to learn about fasting. They need to learn about praying. And they need to be held accountable. And they need to build a fa- strong foundation of their faith of, and of learning the scriptures and learning the concepts and who was Jesus. And you got to have moral code of conduct that's got to be accountable. And you. You know, you have to lay this foundation because the law is a schoolmaster. In other words, all these things, ascetics that you, that's the part that's missing out of Christianity. We, we bring them in the kingdom and try to bring them right up to the speed where we're at without giving them a good foundation, core training of, you know, I'm, I may be here for, you know, I'm 30 years late. You're listening to me 30 years later, 30 years ago. I fasted um, for three years. I fasted more than I ate. I prayed every single day, sometimes for eight hours a day. All I did was study. For seven years, I never had a television. Um, I never dated for seven years. And I don't say that to brag. I'm just saying this is this. I went really deep and laid a really deep foundation because, you know, God knew that later on in life I was going to explore these areas and arenas and 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 learn to live my life and so i i just tell people that you need that 
you need to fast. When the church says we're going on a 21 day fast or whatever, then you need to plug in and do it because until you get your physical uh, uh, aesthetics right, it's going to be real hard to get your inside right because first the natural, then the spiritual. So I said all that to say um, my journey is to learn how to be one with him, and I know that's um, contrary to sometimes to what we hear him say. All right, so we're going to, in the last uh, 10 minutes of this uh, podcast, I'm going to try to lay out some thoughts that I have in part three of the I Am Experience. Part one was I Am a Living Being. Part two is I am not ashamed. And part three is I believe tonight, today we're going to talk about I am living in color. All right. So we're still stuck in Genesis 3, and I hope that's okay with you. I, I don't even care if we get out of it because Genesis, you know, there's a there's one of the ancient books I read that was not in the in the Bible, but it was written by St. Thomas. And he asked Jesus one day, Master, what will be the end of time? How will I know him in the end of time? And what will that look like? And Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, if you go back to the beginning, there your end will be. And sometimes it's just like the movie says, you got to go back to find the future. So today we're going back to the future. We're going back to the beginning and try to figure out not only what happened, but what what needs to happen to reconstruct to um it's almost like if 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 you know like csi is really big right now you got like eight of them or whatever i don't know i've never watched one but i understand the concept that that everything a lot of things on tv are reality and csi type crime solving whatever shows because it's like a core of man inside of every human is wanting to be seen and heard and uh, we have this voyeur thing where we want to see everyone. We, we, it's, but the world is crying out for reality and CSI investigation. So today, let's let's play CSI investigator. Let's go back to the scene of the crime where Adam fell. And, and you know that when you go to the scene of crime, you look at the evidence, but you also try to reconstruct the actual crime so you can kind of get a feel and see what has happened. So today, before we go, I hope to get into the idea of living in color. But we must go back to CSI. I am a CSI. I am a crime scene investigator. And to do that, i got to see what happened, and i got to reconstruct. And so today, we're going to look back at this. When Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 3, ate of the tree that they were not supposed to, it says that verse 7, verse 7, chapter 3 that in Genesis, that the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice walking, and we all know, and God said, Where are you? Who told you were naked? And what did you do? And he said, I was afraid because I was naked. And I won't get into that. We did that last time, but man, that is powerful. I was afraid. In other words, I was ashamed. So I sewed fig leaves together. So let's reconstruct the scene of the crime. When it actually happened, Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together. 
because they had to make sense of this newfound knowledge. They had to come into the, uh, some sense to make sense or life couldn't go on. Um, they had to create something that made sense and um, revealed that they were going to be okay. And friends, I want to tell you that they sewed fig leaves together, which were already a part of the garden. So they took things of the garden that God told them to work in, and they created a covering out of those things. Now, for me today, um, that's nothing more than the knowledge of good. Now, here's what happened. The knowledge of the good and evil. Let's go back to the CSI concept. The aid of the tree. And the knowledge of good and evil, remember, because they were immature, they couldn't handle it, it opened up their eyes, their spirit, their mind to a new voice that they could not even explain where it came from. This new voice was saying something that they've never heard before in their life. All of a sudden, they felt a shame that they've never felt before, which means to give up and feel a sense of failure and to just lose all hope of expectation. So in that realm... They covered them, their nakedness, um, not so much so God wouldn't see it, but so they wouldn't see it. So they would appear unto each other as covered. Now, see where I'm going with this. <laughs> and hopefully that God would see them covered. And so what they did was, because of their shame and nakedness and this awakening and this knowledge, the, the knowledge of good and evil convinced them to create clothing, a covering, uh, um, something to help make sense and cover their nakedness. And I'm here to tell you that it was the knowledge of good and evil that created this whole religious system. I call it the system. And um, it's the only way that they could make sense. But what he didn't realize is this system that you create to cover, to make yourself appear righteous unto men, this system of this moral code of conduct that I'm, I'm here and you're not and I give and you don't, this system is actually preserving this knowledge of good and evil. This system actually preserves the one thing you're trying to get rid of. This system actually deceives you and makes you think you're right when you're not. It actually makes you think anytime you think you're right. You see, so you can't get the, you, you can't say it. You just got to know it. You can't, um, it's an experience of being, of being, not doing. Because if I know that I'm right, then that assumes that there got to be somebody else wrong. And I can't, I can't live in that world of sin conscious and God conscious. And this is of God and this is not of God. And this is good and this is evil. Is there evil in the world? Absolutely. But it's my place to judge. I can't go there because if I do that, then I'm going to have to judge the good. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm trapped in this whole world again that I'm trying to get out of where everything is good and evil. Everything is black and white. And because of this no, newfound knowledge Everything became good and evil, became black and white. And that's where we're at today. This system is designed to define good and evil, to create a gulf between good and evil, to, to make things in your life either good or evil. And if you do evil, then these are the rules and the steps you got to do to make you feel good, about, good enough about yourself where God will accept you. And it's a vicious cycle because 
at best we are at the um, a greatest enemy of our divine self is us it's not our failures it's how we view our failures it's not our sinfulness it's the shame that we allow ourselves to spiral into it, it is the voice of the system that is continually telling you what to, you must do in order to obtain which is a performance religion's mentality to find acceptance before god because ultimately the reality is everyone is seeking and my good friend toby told me a couple months ago he said i have learned that the at the core of every human being is to to be loved and to be known fully and that's what we're striving for for god but we got this voice that keeps telling us you're not good enough you did this you did that you know and and look in our world it's become a black and white world and you tell me how in the world is your political affiliation determine your morality how did we get to that place how do you get to a place that you automatically assume if you're a this then you're immoral if you're uh if you're an independent then you're a tree hugger but if you're a republican or whatever then you're you know how did this come it is because we live in this system and this system is is enhanced by the religious system but it's not only confounded and contained by the religious system because you can be good moral citizen let's say of the united states not go to church not do anything but treat your family well do great do great works be a good person but still be in the system in the sense that you think you have this sense of right and you have this sense of belonging and being better than because you're already a part of the system that is the system it's the system of the knowledge of good and evil that you're not mature enough to handle so it's better that you not eat of that at all I want to leave you with this thought. I, I thought about this black and white, and we're going we're gonna to get into this black and white next time. Um, it's going to be awesome. They don't want to miss it. But in, in olden days when I was a kid, all the, all the, um, a lot of the hero, because everything was Western, because that's the culture. It's like, like I grew up watching Westerns because my family came out of the Western-type world. And so, you know, my kids grew up, seeing heroes and stuff and anyway when i was a little kid all my heroes on the tv and on the radio and in cartoons and stuff wore white hats and all the bad guys wore black hats and all the white guys had good moral upstanding character and all the bad guys were crooked and shady and shifty and and it was a subtle form to teach me as a child good and evil and then the religious system comes on the scene and te- teaches us this grand story that the devil is evil, which he is, and he has a kingdom, which he does, and but God has a kingdom, which he is, and God is only good, which he is, but yet they have made it such uh, equality it's almost as if god's a battle with the devil and it's up to us to determine if he's going to win well, i got news for you god did not give us that responsibility <laughs> he may be waiting on us to get, make his his enemies our footstool but the scripture says his enemy is the carnal mind so that's just something for you to think about the devil has already been defeated and his kingdom stripped and all those things 
It never was an equality. Matter of fact, he created the devil. How could he be at war with, I mean, how could he possibly be as big and strong and all that? So the reality is all the good guys wore white hats. They're good, moral, upstanding, fine citizens, and all the black guys wore black hats. But I want you to understand what I realized was the good guys were always uh, the law enforcers, the law makers, and the black hat guys were the law breakers. And the truth is both of them created a world that's not even real. Um so we're going to talk about this later, but today the CSI, we're going to re- we reconstruct the, go back and reconstruct the crime scene. And what happened was there's an awakening of a voice inside of Adam that he could not define and he could not understand where it came from, yet it carried more weight, more influence than God himself. And so... We still deal with that voice. It's the voice of the ego, the carnal mind, the flesh, the Adamic nature, the lower nature, the beast. However you want to define it, that voice, that is the voice that we're trying to get to the core of. And we're trying to, through these teachings, we want to expose it, we want to silence it, and we want to hear God on a level such as we've never heard before. Thank you for your time, and uh, God bless. Thank you for your support, your love. This has been such a great outlet and blessing for me, and I hope it is to you. Uh, Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.